Yo Pots. Check out Meet Mitch and Leawood for award-winning barbecue, outstanding atmosphere, and your destination to watch all your favorite March Madness action. Tailgating for opening day? Place your order online and pick up on way to the game. Meet Mitch Barbecue, East 95th and Mission in Ranch Martin North Shopping Center. Anderson on Sports Radio 810 WHB. What this crew is upset about, you see in the back of the end zone right there, is they have a tradition here amongst Defenders fans. And that is they make a beer cup snake out of their empty beer cups. <laughs> and the stadium security took it away from them, so now the fans are revolting. So in a revolt, the fans are throwing lemons. Yep. The referees are clearing the players off the field for player safety. The fans say, give us our beer snake back and we'll stop throwing lemons. You're in the zone on Sports Radio 810 WHB. To no surprise to anybody paying attention, the XFL was electric this weekend. The new iteration of the league is back. I am totally ready to talk about A.J. McCarron for four straight hours. Also, perhaps, to talk about the fact that, you know how in the NBA now, the NBA logo is above the nameplate on the back? They they moved it back there so they can sell jersey ads on the front where it used to be. Some other leagues have done that as well. You got the, the league logo over the nameplate on the back. In the XFL, there's a logo back there, and it took me a second to figure out what it was because I saw it first uh, for the uh, San Antonio Brahmas, which is some sort of bull-horned creature. I don't know what makes it a Brahma. I didn't do the research before just now. Honestly, I'm disappointed in myself. But then I saw the logo on the back of the St. Louis Battlehawks jerseys. And wait a second. They also have, like... A cow skull kind of logo back there? That makes sense for the Brahmas, but why for the Battlehawks? I know what it is. Me too. It took me a second, and then I figured it out, because it's on the back of all the jerseys in all the leagues, or of all the teams in the XFL. That is the logo for Dwayne The Rock Johnson's brand. Or just for him. Based on the tattoo that he had, then he got covered in a much bigger tattoo. I don't. It's just The Rock's logo. Is back there instead of, you know, your Swingman or your MLB logo or whatever. The XFL is making some branding choices. And genuinely, we're not going to spend those four hours talking about A.J. McCarron. And I don't know if Kansas City is likely to adopt the St. Louis Battlehawks or if we need to throw our uh, our energy behind the different team. I can't remember where Josh Gordon ended up. He ended up on a team. I'll just root for Josh Gordon's team. See a Sea Dragon? Beard, so you look up Is and see where Josh Gordon's at. Seattle sea Dragons? He might be. Now, they went from the Dragons to the Sea Dragons in the reboot, right? Yes, yeah, they did, but it's fine. Yeah, he is! There you go. Josh Gordon, Seattle Sea Dragons. I lost they my... Have a good start. I lost my team from the first edition of the XFL. I can't remember who. I don't know if they were the Tampa Bay Vipers, or if it was uh, Tampa Bay Outlaws, or I some sort of Vipers. Arizona Hotshots, or... 
No, that was the AF. The I think Hot Shots was, was AAF. I think you're right, Beards. Uh, that's Beards McFly, by the way. I'm Josh Briscoe. Jason Anderson, still out today. Lifelong Sea Dragons fan over here. Lifelong Sea Both Dragons times. fan, Beards McFly. Still haven't watched the game. Well, look, I mean, it's about the, the passion that you have for that team. Uh, Jason is... Uh, is listed as uh, out illness for today. Hope to have him back in the fold shortly. Uh, but in the meantime, it's just Beards McFly and myself, Joshua Briscoe, with you for these next four hours. Not just us. We've got a parade of guests that will help elevate our conversations throughout the course of the show today. But I let me say this. I didn't think we were going to start start here. And maybe it's going to be a little light start here. The XFL was fun. Watching, I, only, I watched like the second half of the St. Louis San Antonio game. I'm not telling you I sat down and went for XFL Red Zone and just, like, didn't move off my couch for seven hours. But I had a little bit of football withdrawal. It was on, and they did some interesting things. So we can we can talk about that a little bit more later on because there, there are a couple of things that might be, uh, might be convertible to the NFL and some things that might not make a lot of sense making the transition. But I've got some borderline serious XFL takes that I think could really just continue to feed our football addiction, which is my uh, my favorite, I think, of, of the vices. Is just If I could just get more football all the time. This morning, driving into work here, finally cracked open a, a pre-draft podcast, listening to Dane Brugler and Daniel Jeremiah and a few of those guys going through some of their top 100s. I mean, the football, the football grind simply never stops, despite the fact that at... This time last week, we were sitting down to begin to celebrate the Kansas City Chiefs being world champions once again. The The Chiefs tweeted out at some point yesterday, you know, one week ago today, and then it was all of the, some of the celebratory shots from the game and everything. That feels like that happened yesterday and also 10 million years ago. Last week was one of the strangest, like, time distortion weeks I've ever experienced. It was just super, it was everything leading up to the Super Bowl, Radio Row, already disorienting, waiting for the Super Bowl, waiting for the Super Bowl, we get it, the Chiefs win, celebration, pandemonium, Valentine's Day sneaks in there, parade, parade aftershocks, Friday looking back on the game one more time, and then Saturday... I did something I haven't done in quite a while. I don't think I've done it since the pandemic, perhaps. I'm trying to remember exactly when my last trip would have been to Allen Fieldhouse. But I was there on Saturday. And it's one of the more bizarre and somehow totally predictable live sporting performances I've ever seen. We'll talk a little more KU coming up at noon with Matt Tate of KUSports.com, the Lawrence Journal World. Obviously, KU-TCU tonight in a huge game because every game in the Big 12 is huge. And then we'll do uh, some NFL uh, talk, both for what the Chiefs are going to have as the new league year is just around the corner. Lots of new league deadlines are already coming up. We'll get through more of those later on as well. We'll talk about that, though, at 11 with Matt Verderam of Fansided. And then Mick Schaefer of KSHB 41 will come in and uh, we'll, we'll talk We'll talk some college ball. We'll maybe do a little NFL. Maybe I mean, look, spring training is, uh, is here. So we, we have the entire palette of colors to paint with today. 
But I want to take you back to Allen Fieldhouse with me. Back in time to Saturday. Again, first time back in Allen in a really long time. And the first half begins to unfold. And by unfold, I really mean unravel. KU is down 13 points at halftime, 45-32 to 32 at the half. And that was not enough points. Just for how they had played. Not just for Baylor to, to keep the lead, obviously. We ended up saying that it wasn't enough for them. But it was even more not enough from the pure feeling of where the game had arrived. That felt like worse than a baker's dozen deficit for KU. They just couldn't get anything at all going in their favor. It just felt like there was a lid on the bucket, all the cliches you want, and then there were like three different distinct moments where Baylor would hit some sort of circus shot or the, the three and a foul... And you would just go, okay, all right, well, it's just their day. It's just not KU's day. This is going to be kind of a weird one, I guess, but sometimes you get got. And now, uh, because I live in KC Mo, more often than not when I'm watching KU games, I'm on the Missouri side. So my sportsbook experience is not always as easy going as it could be for all of you who live on the Kansas side. But in this case, we were in Lawrence. You're in the building at halftime. I felt like I was I was in the, the, the beating heart of KU basketball. You can feel the pulse of Allen Fieldhouse. I it sounds cliche and, and corny, and I if you're a K State or a Mizzou person, and certainly if you're a K State or Mizzou person that hasn't gone to a game at Allen Fieldhouse, I promise you, I am not like, I I am not always the, uh, the 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 biggest proponent of sort of the intangible weirdness of oh you the, the the nostalgia and the mystique of sports because eventually like you got to have the players you got to run the right the right stuff and you got to convert right. The energy of a of a building can obviously feed into the game, but I think that's overplayed more often than it's underplayed. Allen Fieldhouse is a borderline inexplicable one for me. I'll, I'll see if Matt has any answers for us at noon, but it is a hard thing to explain when every 15-point deficit, as soon as KU cuts it to 13, it feels like it's 5. Because the crowd, the crowd is, is basically there to say, Hey, the avalanche is about to start. And it feels like that. And then so you have the opponent on their heels. They got to get that bleep back to 15 now. <laughs> that that has to get extended. You have to stop the rolling of this snow immediately. Because if you don't, you're in avalanche mode. Then even beyond that, when KU ends up, oh, if they get the lead, if they're up by three, suddenly it feels like seven or eight. Because it just never feels like you're going to get two buckets in a row to try to get that lead back. It is this difficult to define, but somehow very tangible, intangible. 
So I say all of that to also admit something. We got to halftime with KU Baylor. And I was saying to the people around me, I was saying this feels like a time when I would love to be able to fire up the old DraftKings app and go ahead and see what's going on. Maybe the money line, see what that point number is. And I am not going to do it. And really, I think the point of that for me at the time was this isn't KU just playing some sloppy ball and another team playing fine. An okay Big 12 team, which is already a kind of an oxymoron, right? It's how good this conference has been. But I had both a little bit of doubt in KU's ability to get a can opener for the top of the bucket. And I, I didn't think Baylor's every circus shot was going to land. But I figured they'd score at least 30 points in the second half. Something magical also happened at halftime that um, you may or may, may or may not be able to directly uh, draw the correlation to the rest of the game. Beard, did you happen to see my, my posts from what was happening at halftime of KU Baylor? I have you blocked on Twitter. A smart decision. Halftime. And if you want to block Joshua Briscoe <laughs> on Twitter, it's at JB Briscoe with an E. Definitely block JB Briscoe with an E. I have no problem with that. I should have looked up the exact uh, facts of this. Hold on, let me see. I think I've got enough of the details here. Christian and Scooby. It's an acrobat show. They won Germany's Got Talent. We're a finalist in America's Got Talent. They were the halftime duo at Allen Fieldhouse. Stick with me, everybody. So this guy's doing, like, crazy balancing act stuff. It's really impressive. And then he brings this tiny dog out of this little box. And this tiny little dog also begins doing incredible balancing. I think it's a chihuahua. It's hard to tell. I couldn't look this up earlier. A very small dog that looks like at least mostly chihuahua. The dog's name is Scooby. They do this whole halftime routine, brings the freaking house down. I mean, just tremendous. This dog is balancing on his feet upside down. The dog's balancing on a basketball. It hops over to another basketball and rolls on that for a little bit. Absolutely electric. The issue was that it was the best performance by anybody in a KU jersey throughout the entirety of the day to that point. So personally, I'm here to tell you that Christian and Scooby saved KU season. I believe that happened because I, th- I found their performance to be absolutely electric. And then the second half started. If you want to give credit to the dog or not, I'm choosing to do that. I'm giving 75% of the credit to the dog, 25% credit to the guy. But if you want to go ahead and include them or not, It's rare for a box score to actually do a half of basketball justice. Just a, just the straight-up final score. But as I mentioned, Baylor, Baylor won the first half 45-32. to 32. In the second half of that game, KU won 55-26. to 26. And it felt like it. Quick math help for you. KU, little more than doubled him up in the second half. And it felt every bit of that. 
the comeback out of halftime was immediate. Baylor didn't score for almost three minutes. And KU just never stopped. And really with, what was it, three minutes left, it was 80-67. to 67. Baylor got a couple more buckets after that. Okay, again, that, at that point, it, we, we, the, the game began transforming into, hey, the, the bucket's a lot less important than when it leaves your hand in the shot clock. And by the time KU had the lead back, it just felt completely inevitable. And we'll, we will talk about this with Matt Tate, but it was something that, that came up in his story on KUSports.com uh, after the game that I think is such a fun, so much more beneficial way of viewing this, what this game actually was. As he wrote a little bit about what, what Bill Self and Scott Drew said about each other and about each other's uh, teams and how that game went. In an imperfect college basketball landscape, and in an absolutely overwhelming Big 12 conference, those are two teams who could win the whole thing. Now, because the Big 12 is what it is, and because March Madness is what it is, these are also all teams that could win a couple games or lose sooner than you'd think. KU had a super impressive win over Baylor at home, and they're two-point underdogs right now tonight at TCU. Now, TCU's performance in Allen Fieldhouse earlier this season, certainly relevant there, I'm sure. And also, just going on the road in the Big 12 is a difficult thing to do. There is so little space between the top and bottom of this conference. Remember back in uh, Factor Fiction last week ahead of the uh, KUK State games, and um, I, I just predicted that the Big 12 would happen to uh, K-State in Oklahoma and uh, and OU Lebo in here. Said, uh, no, 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 this, this OU team is absolute hot garbo. This is not, this is not a concern. If you like KU to win tonight, you like the, the local team parlay. And OU beats K-State, even though Oklahoma's at the bottom of the conference, and K-State has been a tremendous story this year. I think, look, I, I think Lebo, like all of us, can be a little bit more of a pessimist about your own squad, probably, right? I don't mean to put Lebo on blast, but it's just the example that sticks with me, because that was just like a total dart throw of like, yeah, I don't know. I No, I also don't think that Oklahoma's better than K-State, but I hardly think that matters. Because they're all in this same stinking conference where it's like, whose line is it anyway? The rules are made up and the points don't matter. That's the Big 12 right now. But it's just murderer's row. It's tremendous. It's the most fun I've had with a... Like, we are obviously... We are onboarding at hyperspeed as as football is ever so barely in the rear view, even as right now in first take, their topic at the moment, Biennemi territory. Commander's name, Eric Biennemi, is offensive coordinator. Also assistant head coach. We might talk about him some today as well. 
We are we are rapidly onboarding here. Is it is it Mission Impossible? Beards, I have no idea if you've seen the Mission Impossible movies. Is it Mission Some Impossible where one of the recent ones, Tom Cruise used the like it might have been a Batman thing too. Use the um it's like a balloon anchor or whatever they call it, where you like have a balloon up in the air and then a plane can fly by and just like swoop or an air, a helicopter can fly by and swoop you up. I know Dark Knight from did that. that. Did the Dark Knight yeah. do it? Okay. I could. It feels that like something the, Tom Cruise would want to do if he hasn't already. The, I think it was Shanghai. That was that scene where he was going to go uh, take the uh, criminal businessman, and he used perfect. The, and he used yes. That. It's it's like uh, what do you remember what they're specifically called? Balloon anchor is the closest thing I can uh, think of, and I keep throwing vertically as if that's going to remember. I think that's what Batman called it. Is it really? I think so. That's not trademarked. Feels like a missed opportunity. I don't know if that's what it's technically called, but let's see. But yeah, that. No, not the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar That's shot. what I'm telling you. I feel like Kareem should be suing... Should be suing... Uh, uh, I almost said Zack Snyder. Christopher Nolan. Good Lord. No offense to Zack Snyder, but... Christopher Nolan series. That's that's my Batman. Whatever it's called is completely irrelevant. That, I feel like, is the way, though, we are... That, like I am getting sucked back into college basketball right now. I, I tried throwing that balloon up a, a couple weeks ago, but obviously so much of our brain power has been spent rightfully on the Chiefs. But every time I like stick my head out the window to see what's going on in the Big 12 or turn on a, a KUK or a K-State game, it is just another reminder like, oh yeah, this conference is at full speed right now. And I'm I'm thrilled for what these last few games, like what, four games for pretty much everybody now? These last couple weeks of the Big 12 conference season are going to be incredible. The Big 12 tournament's going to be ridiculous. And then how many of these teams are going to be able to get to March Madness and be able to make some noise there? It's just a blast. Like, I am genuinely tickled to see what the Big 12 is going to look like the rest of this way. I think it's going to be a blast. It already has been. But the way that you could view this game, going back to Bill Self and Scott Drew and the real tale of two halves here. I think you'd be doing this game a disservice if you made it about Baylor choking in the second half. Because what I think it was, was Baylor playing pretty close to its best possible basketball in the first half and pretty close to its worst basketball in the second. And KU doing the exact inverse. KU played just about the worst you're going to see in the first half. And the second half, they were unstoppable. And a snapshot like that in late February to see where these teams are at is just about perfect for my money. Because these teams won't be perfect. There will be long stretches of streakiness. And it's going to be fascinating to see how KU makes that transition from Baylor on Saturday to going to TCU tonight. But however it shakes out, You are watching the best conference in basketball and in an absolutely unhinged environment at Allen on Saturday. You saw each team play one great half of basketball. Which I think kind of rules. And if you're a KU fan, the good news is that KU's best half of basketball was better than Baylor's best half of basketball. Because games don't actually get decided one half at a time. So sure, once you get to uh, the T-Mobile Center, 
once you get to March Madness, you're you're not you're not playing in the hollowed halls of Allen Fieldhouse. I don't know if all the ghosts and spirits and shaky seats and everything work the same way once you leave that building. I, I don't think they, they do quite the same. But it's really interesting to see how that team rallied in the second half against a team that deserves to be discussed in, in the same breath that they are. The rest of this Big 12 season is going to be incredible. I think there are a few specific takeaways you could take um, that are a little more in the actual analysis of KU Baylor. We'll probably do a little bit of that. Plus, I do legitimately have some XFL takes. I do want to start looking ahead to a few K, uh, uh, few Chiefs offseason things because I think that as those come through, they're going to be um, really interesting and also not nearly as far away as you might think in terms of what the schedule breaks down with. So we'll uh, we'll spin the wheel and decide which topic we want to talk about on the other side of this timeout. But we'll go NFL with Matt Verderam at 11, more KU and looking ahead to TCU a little bit with Matt Tate at noon, and then Mick Schaefer will join us at 1 o'clock for a little Learn Funniest Best and everything else going on around Kansas City sports. I'm Joshua Briscoe, Beards McFly, and on the other side of the glass. It's The Zone here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. The Zone with Jason Anderson. It's Fee McCarluke. On Sports Radio 810 WHB. No Jason Anderson. It's The Zone without Jason Anderson today. Hoping to have him back tomorrow. Sometime soon, though. He just kept texting us. He said, I'm sick. And I was like, tight, dude. Congrats. He's like, no, I'm ill. I was like, awesome. So I don't know what he's doing today, but it sounds like he's having a great time. <sighs> Joshua Briscoe and Beards McFly. And yeah, if you also let out a long sigh after those, at least you can feel better about the fact that I don't feel good about my own, my own standing making that joke. I do feel good about what we saw over the weekend. Uh, not just KU, by the way. I, I admittedly didn't get to watch uh, as much of the uh, the K-State-Iowa State game as I otherwise would have liked to since we were out there in Allen Fieldhouse. But uh, coming back from a deficit in their own right uh, to uh, to get that win over Iowa State. Obviously, Mizzou not so lucky at home, but... Uh, the uh, 31-23 first half deficit, KU comes roaring back, and uh, it's just another another example where I don't think anything from this Big 12 conference should be able to surprise you anymore, which is sort of a hilarious, wonderful place to be in the best basketball conference in the world without any doubt about it, uh, at least most, you know competitive, best conference in college ball, if you want to be super pedantic about it. There are a couple little things uh, from again, both being there and seeing the guys that kind of spark the energy, turn the tides, whatever it may be, and we we've talked about Jalen Wilson plenty on this show over the last, uh, I mean, over the course of this season, really, where he has established himself as being the guy in the sort of they've and his name has been brought up multiple times. I don't know if this is fair or unfair at this point. But wanted to be the Ochagbaji of of this year's team, where the the one more year at Kansas gives you the fine tuning, the evolution, the next stages of your game that allow you to be a more complete player that puts you in those National Player of the Year conversations. 
Now, Jalen Wilson at this point is obviously the the engine of of where this team resides, right? It, we've we've seen answers to this at some points. We've also seen KU fall short at some points this year, you know, as is the case with really, really, really difficult games and an outrageously good conference. If I've mentioned that yet today, that the Big Twelve was pretty good, but. I think we have seen pretty clearly that KU is in a different place. This might be super obvious, but KU is in a different place when it, when it's Jalen Wilson and somebody else or when it's just the Jalen Wilson show. For as excellent as he is, you, you can't ask him to do everything on his own. And in a game like we saw on Saturday when KJ Adams and Grady Dick both end up in the high teens, that is a excellent indicator of where your team is headed. But DeWan Harris so often to me feels like the guy, if I can check his temperature, I'm going to have an idea of where the rest of the game is going to be trending, or at least what's going to come easy and what's going to be difficult. And maybe some of this is even springboarded on the, the conversations we've had about DeWan Harris in the past, but when he just even looks comfortable shooting, everything opens up. Everything is less congested. Every KU's options are open again, and you have to defend Kansas differently. We we know he can be a distributor, and and that Bill Self is right to to trust him with the basketball. But against Baylor, he ends up two for two from his three point shot. And when a Dewan Harris three falls, it feels it feels like rain in the desert, right? It's like, oh yeah, here here it is that finally the downpour begins. But he was willing to go to the basket to create some of his own looks to be a guy that does not have to be your primary scorer, should not be your primary scorer, but that has to be an element of what he does in this offense. And I, I really do think that there's a correlation there between Dewan Harris demanding a little bit of attention and making life easier for the guys around him as well. That was the book coming in, right? It's just like, hey, man, leave him over there and dare him to shoot. And if he shoots and he hits one every once in a while, so be it. But we're not going to let him stress us out if he's got a little bit of space. Because out there, it's just not going to be his shot. I think that is going to be such an enormous, enormous storyline going into the tournament and figuring out, look, obviously, again, Jalen Wilson is the the centerpiece of this team. When you let Grady Dick catch and shoot, he can be as deadly as anybody in the nation, and you also can have a game like you did on Saturday where he's 6 of 18 from the field, 2 of 9 from 3, and you're not unhappy with his performance. Because he brings you a few boards, he gets you a handful of points, and especially in a game that was as streaky as that, the whole the, the full game stat lines that I'm giving you now are honestly just to be just so everyone's getting the same the same numbers out here. The end of game stat lines reflecting on the first and second half combined are telling you kind of a distorted story because there was such a outrageous difference from how this game felt in the first half and the second half. And I don't, and Beards, if you end up wanting to chime in on, on this particular hot button issue either, I feel like you've had Dewan Harris takes in the past, and if you've got any of those clanking around in there, you can let me know. I don't know if I had, like, super hot Dewan Harris takes. You might not. They might not have been super hot. I don't know. But 
this one I figure also we could probably roll around with for a second because the concept of momentum is a bit of a a bit of a challenging one for me because on some level whenever you see a string of good things happening you believe that that thing is going to continue but more importantly just getting a string of good things to happen that in then in and of itself that is the result you're looking for and especially in something like football we're like you have so many factors going into it. Momentum, in air quotes, I don't mean getting a defense gassed and keep, keeping the, the foot on the gas. That's a real, you know, you're, that's a strategy. You're taking advantage of what the defense is giving you there. But, you know, we just wanted to kick the field goal and keep momentum. In fact, Heinz Ward's uh, San Antonio Brahmas in the XFL yesterday, they took a field goal because they wanted to just get some points on the board, and then later on they could have used they could use those extra points. They would have gone and just gone for it on fourth down, got for the touchdown. That's right. You're getting XFL fourth down discord on the show. Discord about his today. job in game one, man. I know he should be. He should be. He looks so happy. The Heinz Ward smile. You saw that for so many years under the face mask. You know he would just get his head knocked off and he'd pop up smiling. Same smile. Just now he's wearing a hat instead of a helmet. Even still with a team with Steelers colors, it was perfect. But like this, this sort of stringing together positive field goal drives for momentum. That's where I kind of roll my eyes a little bit. Like you want to have good morale and you want to be taking advantage of your moments, but defining momentum is hard. To bring it back to my KU specific point here, I don't think it's momentum as much as it is the fact that basketball and Obviously, in, in college ball in particular, it, it's a game of runs, right? Like, when you do feel like you can take the game over and your shots are falling and theirs aren't, I don't know if that's always directly sourceable to a given moment. I don't know if that's directly sourceable to a strategy. I don't know if that ends up just being good coaching and good execution coming together where now you are piling on small victories while the other team is just running into a small pile of big L's. But that's one thing where for all of my confusion of this amorphous thing called momentum, and I'm not saying does it exist, I'm saying how much does it matter and how do you measure it, right? Like, it's just a, I don't have like a big take that I'm trying to work towards or that I'm trying to argue for anybody to say momentum's not real and if you think momentum's real you're a dope I don't there's there is something to the energy of a game and how it affects the human beings who play the game I think sometimes the word momentum gets overused again not really the point here that's mostly something I've looked into more in football and I've already talked about Allen Fieldhouse for all of the non-KU fans listening. I'm done talking about the magic of this old building that just seems to have something going on in it that I can't fully put my finger on. But it is amazing. It just is. I'm sorry. If you played Sandstorm in Manhattan again, I would also say that you've got some special magic whenever you hit, but you've you got to start playing Sandstorm again. I don't know what to tell you. But I do think that once we, even even out of Allen Fieldhouse, T-Mobile Center, down to March Madness, 
when you believe that KU is a team that can string together baskets, and I don't just mean raining threes because I'm not sure exactly how many of these guys you're comfortable having shoot all the time, but if DeWan Harris gets left open in the corner and he is willing and able to just go ahead and hit that shot, you get a good... I'm going to make sure I don't want to create cuts for Friday on a Monday. It's too early on. You get five good minutes of Grady... Where he is, he is getting to the basket every once in a while, but more importantly, he is able to be that sharp, sharp shooting threat from the outside. And then that's all piled on around Jalen Wilson, demanding the gravity of the defense, being the centerpiece of all of that. I do think Kansas, and we just maybe maybe it's just because I saw it with my own eyes and it was electric. But I do think Kansas is very well equipped to be a team that can erase deficits or create large leads of their own a whole lot quicker than they should be able to. A whole lot quicker than you'd expect them to be able to. And that's one of those things that I think ends up being so important come tournament time where if you're down by 12 at the half, it doesn't... you're, you're you're not hanging your head in the locker room thinking about what your next month's going to be like when you got to go back to campus and start looking ahead to next year or figuring out if it's draft time for you or whatever's going on there. This is a team that's going to have these experiences under their belt and I think clearly has a skill set to maximize on them when they do end up in those positions again. It's just a fun team, and and looking ahead to TCU tonight will also be a blast to see if you can get another one of those games where Dewan Harris looks like a legitimate scoring threat, where he's not afraid to shoot, where, where KU's not afraid to let him be the guy who shoots. What happens if it's not all running through Jalen Wilson? Got it to the line 10 times against Baylor, 9 of 10 from, from the free throw line. Creating, finding those points when they're given to him. It'll be really, really interesting to see what happens when they take this show on the road and to see if that pokes any holes in my my newfound extra perspective on where this team stands after Saturday's game in Allen Fieldhouse against Baylor. We'll take another quick time out here in the zone. Uh, Matt Verderam of Fansided will join us here in about 10 or 15 minutes to look ahead to the NFL offseason and some fun topics there. What are we going to talk about when we come back? I don't know. Beard said he watched like a quarter of the All-Star game, like half of the All-Star game. You watched a little bit. A quarter. You watch some of the All Star game. Draft. I've got kind of a uh, I've got a light uh, dunk contest take. We'll see if we make room for any of that coming up next here in the zone. The zone with Jason Anderson. You know what makes me nervous about today's show? <laughs> um, uh, where do we begin? <laughs> Weekdays from ten to two on Sports Radio eight ten WHB. It is the zone. It is not Jason Anderson with you today. Josh Briscoe and Beards are with you. Jason, back soon. Beards, when I've asked you about the NBA, Beards is a resident NBA guy. I'm I can only hope to hold a candle to Beards' NBA knowledge. I've got a dunk contest take. Okay, but we can get there. I want to know every time I ask you about the All Star game, you keep mentioning the draft itself, uh-huh. and I want to know what it is that you are uh, you're picking at there because I, uh, I I have not pre screened this take from you. I do not know where you're going or what you saw in the draft selection that was so interesting. So they've done in the last few years. I think this is like year five of doing this. Has it really been five? I think years? it has I think been. I think you might be right. Where wow. you know, there's the two captains from each conference, East and the West, and then they pick their teams. Right. The first year or so they did it, 
they just kind of released the list and said, this is what happened. Okay. And then they started doing it where they had like that pre-recorded live thing. Yeah. Like a week before, like a couple days beforehand. Mm-hmm. And then this year they finally decided to do it live on the stay on the court in front of everybody. Got it. Okay. It, it everybody has been clamoring for them to do this since the beginning of them doing this. Right. Um I have a sneaky suspicion though that it might have already happened beforehand and they were just doing it back live. <laughs> okay. That they that they had had they, some yeah, final selections made already. Some notes okay. and they were just reading off their notes. Diabolical. Uh, this might just be nitpicky. Um, but they were they had like this big stage set up and they had like two little charity groups on each side mm-hmm. and what they would do is they'd pick the they'd say you know I picked whoever two little charity groups so it's like the Rockets and then what else sorry go ahead little NBA joke for beards that's good thank you um, the player would get up go over to the side and they'd have a jersey with their name on it pose with a picture for the kid sure and move on. Um, they had all those made like beforehand. Yeah, and they were just kind of out. Unless there are also unless jerseys are of all two, of them on other but sides, also, but we never saw those. But also, so what they did is because they didn't want to have um, somebody picked last. Yes, like they didn't want to have the last pick. Yes, they had them pick the reserves first and then do the starters afterwards. I knew this was happening. How did well, that go? Giannis, um, either he read his script wrong. Oh no! Or he was, or he was just he made a goof. He tried to pick Ja Morant as a reserve. Uh huh. Ja's a starter. Sure. He then ended up with Ja later. Curious. Curious. What's going on? Curious. In Salt Lake? Yeah. Mm-mm-mm-mm. But other than that, it was, it was a fun time. It was enjoyable to watch. Um, Jokic didn't want to get picked last in, as the starter, so he just walked over to LeBron's team before he got before LeBron started talking. That's funny. Did he know he was the last pick at that point? It was between him and Laurie Markkinen. So Jokic was just like, "I'm not getting picked last," and just walked over. He wasn't going to get picked last over under Laurie Markkinen, was he? Because I know Rudy Salazar is not here to defend himself, but it the disrespect, the disrespect for Nikola Jokic, unbelievable. Uh, what did you think of however much of the game you saw? I saw that it scored a bajillion points. People were Tatum complaining about MVP. there being no defense. That's too bad. I didn't even like know they that. less this year than they have previously. Usually those things have been really good with like the Elam ending and everything. But oh yeah, How, did, was that a part of it again this yes. year? Yes, and they it just has been. but it, it still was not particularly there compelling was less television played this year than the past. In the one quarter I watch, does that honestly? Like I am just now I'm interviewing beards, but you're also the biggest NBA nerd I could get on short notice. Does that does that matter to you, or like do you want what what are you watching the the All Star Game for as a big NBA fan that tunes in for a little bit of it? Just fun, really, like. People making crazy shots, doing some fun dunks. I like like a little bit of caring. There was one a couple years ago where I think it was the one where they tried to get Anthony Davis the record for points of the game, and it was literally just, all right, give the ball to Davis, he's going to go dunk it now. And that was yeah. literally it. Yeah, that's no good. So better than that. Was it fun? Did it seem? Was it? Can it be fun if they don't seem to care that much? I guess maybe that's my... My final question. Last year was, I think it was last year was nice because they had like Steph Curry go bananas and, and then Damian Lillard also now, went bananas um, from just shooting the ball so much yeah. and making everything crazy. There wasn't really, from what I saw, it wasn't really that as much this year, but sorry for making, it was still entertaining. Sorry for making you talk about the dunk contest and the All-Star game and everything while in the segment where you actively have to do things to make sure the segment ends when it's supposed to. That's okay. That's bad producing by me. That's fine. I'll say my dunk contest take that's sort of just a stolen take from Bamani Jones, which if I had to admit that every time I I did that, I'd cannibalize most of my own talking time. 
I think if it seems like the guys want to be there and are willing to do some fun, just like crazy alien superhuman bleep, that's good enough for me. Although Giannis didn't play this year, and usually he's the tryhard guy. So that's the thing, is if you could get a little bit more, I don't know if you can really do anything in terms of incentivizing playing a little bit more defense. I don't need all the tightest fundamentals in the sport. But a little a little bit of, like you said, caring probably amplifies the fun. Which I actually think is why they did the dunk contest might change some things in the future. We'll talk about that later, but Matt Verderam is next.